Welcome to the Within Us podcast, where we're all about well-being, mind, body, emotion, and spirit. This is your place for the transformational tools and strategies to tap into mindfulness, emotional awareness, and wellness for the collective and for your life right now. My name is Azriela Jankovic, and I am so glad that you are here. Today's episode is sponsored by Lumen, the first handheld device that can measure your metabolism in a single breath to tell you what fuel source your body is using for energy, fats, or carbs. Lumen's device and app provide you with personalized daily meal recommendations to help you reach your weight, nutrition, or fitness goals, and it has been scientifically validated. If you want to check out how you can hack your metabolism today, visit lumen.me. You can use the code within us 25 to get $25 off at lumen.me. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today is Sunday, June 7th. I am feeling rejuvenated after a 25-hour break from technology. It is nice sometimes to just take that step away. I think we can get caught up in staying connected. And, you know, it's not always easy to unplug, but I always feel that I'm in a different place after I do it. So here I am. It is Sunday, now Sunday afternoon. This morning, I finished an incredible masterminding experience. My masterminds are now in the sixth week. And we did a check-in, checking out on everyone's progress and looking at their 12-week goal and talking about how far they've come. And I'm just watching these participants support each other. And the support and the enthusiasm is contagious. It's been so incredible. So I am thrilled about that. And I'm thrilled about my guest today. She is someone who has become a friend. We both live in Israel. She's up in the north and she has had such a journey that has gotten her here, which I can really relate with. And in today's episode, she talks a bit about her journey, not only what got her here, but what got her into the line of work that she's in. And she really helps people get unstuck. She has a whole method she created called the Unstuck Method. And she also has another set of tools called Living Deliberately. So she talks to me in this episode about what that means. And she also shares a story of her near-death experience. I could not believe what I was hearing when she was sharing it with me. You're going to hear the whole thing in the episode and how that really led her to what it is that she's doing now. So I am really happy to share this one with you. It's been in the queue for a while now. And I think it really speaks to what has come to the forefront for me. I've heard from so many of you over the last week, especially contacting me with different issues that are coming up in your lives. I've had people ask me about how they can stop hating themselves so much, stop being so angry for not being as productive as they want to be right now. Or people are coming to me feeling like things are just more chaotic than they usually are. Or perhaps someone in their family is acting out. Someone is struggling emotionally. Perhaps their emotional health, mental health is not where they would like it to be. 
And I think for me that, you know, there are so many different avenues for addressing all of these different issues, but there's really an underlying avenue. And for me, that is what mindfulness tools are all about. And that's why I really got into this because for me, mindfulness was something that was so pivotal on my healing journey. I want to share a little bit with you about my journey, two moments in particular, and how I came to some of these practices and why they're useful. And this morning I was on the phone with a friend, someone who called, someone who listens to the show, and she was sharing with me about how she just needs this accountability piece when it comes to mindfulness practice. She just needs reminders and someone to keep her on track and in line. And and I said to her, you know, I am working on a program that will do exactly that. And as of now, I have these Wednesday weekly mindfulness tool sessions where we do guided meditations, but I want to ramp it up a level even from there. And I want to create something where there is really easy access, really practical access. And she said to me, you know, she's so glad that I'm in the mindfulness business and it makes so much sense because I'm actually using these practices. And I told her a little story about myself when I was 19. And when I was 19, I actually began going to university at a place called University of Judaism in Bel Air, California. It's up in the hills of Los Angeles, little teeny tiny private school. And after high school, I had a psychotic break that was preceded by my being on an airplane ride uh, internationally. We were flying across the world and I had just gotten a cast off my left foot. And because I was in so much pain and I couldn't sleep on the airplane, I became very manic and came home from that trip. And long story short, went off to college really with my brain health suffering. And resultantly, I started a wellness journey. At that point in my life, I moved home after the first semester was over back to my parents' house. And I decided to do everything in my power that I could to get well. At the time, fitness was the first tool that I really turned to, and I got very into spinning. I'd always enjoyed spinning, but I decided that I needed some accountability so that I would go to spin class five or six days a week because I knew if I could do just that one thing, I could feel better. So long story short, I became a spin instructor. I got certified at Johnny G Spinning in Culver City, California. And I got jobs at 24 Hour Fitness and Frog's Gym, and I used to teach five classes a week, and it really did the trick. I, Because I was the teacher, I had to show up, I had to stay accountable, I did the workout. And once I was in the gym, I you know did all sorts of other exercises and lifted weights, and I was there. You know, half the battle, more than half the battle was over. So... For me, sharing the mindfulness tools that I have learned and creating meditations and conducting these workshops is really part of it is my way of staying accountable. And part of it is me staying attached to the practices and even identified with the practices so that when things come up in my daily life, I can say to myself, wow, I teach these tools. Now is my time to use them to try to practice what I preach. I do not see myself as a naturally calm person. People tell me all the time how calm I am and my voice is so calm and really behind the scenes, I have to tell you, it's work. It's a practice to get here and 
I don't always feel calm. I mean, I know just a few weeks ago when I started sharing my story, I felt myself slipping out of calm. And I had to do a check-in with myself and I had to make some adjustments and seek out some resources. So what I want to share with you now is that for me, and I think for all of us, these are practices. And over time, they become a part of who we are. They become ingrained in ourselves. They become parts of our habits and parts of our beings. And yet, like anything, these are like muscles we need to flex. So I think that your the episode today is going to give you some concrete tools. And I also want to say that just acknowledging that what we're going through is challenging for everyone is in and of itself a tool to handling it. If we are meeting ourselves with opposition, if we're fighting ourselves for struggling, we're creating an added layer of stress. We're coming up against opposition. What we want to do is create a sense of being understood, providing ourselves with understanding, and really the sense that, okay, sometimes I feel alone. Sometimes I feel kind of crazy. I feel like I'm going to snap, or I feel like I'm losing my breath, or I feel like things are so chaos or I'm chaotic or I'm not productive enough, whatever it is you're coming up against. But just pausing and realizing, okay, look at the state of the world. Look what's on the news. Look at, look at the things I'm hearing about, the things I'm dealing with. Of course, this is challenging. It makes sense that it is. And that alone is something that can help us dial down a little bit and shift into a place of more awareness, more presence, and more capability to connect and stay productive and stay engaged. It's going to look like different things for different people, but in any case, you are showing up for yourself. And I am so, so glad that you are here. My guest today is Shira Gura. It's a pleasure to introduce her. She's on a mission to help people create the lives that they want to live. She's an author, she's a coach, she has courses, she has community, and she has quite a story. So with nothing further, here is my guest for the day, Shira Gura. Welcome to Within Us, Shira Gura. I'm so happy to have you here today. I have been following your work for years now and admiring the way that you really show up so authentically and vulnerably and with so much strength at the same time to really put yourself out there and help and inspire. So it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here with me today. Thank you so much for that warm introduction. This has been such an interesting time for better and for worse and a time of so much uncertainty. The concept that you present of living deliberately has so much relevance in a time like this. So what is this concept of living deliberately and what does that mean for you? So living deliberately is something that has evolved in my life, both personally and professionally over time. When I started out in the work with the, that I do in the world, I didn't start out with living deliberately. I actually started out with a tool to help people get unstuck. 
And that was my focus actually for a few years. And after working with people for many years, helping them get unstuck in their lives and in their relationships, what I found was that while people were learning how to get unstuck, they were falling into the same pit holes time and time again. So in other words, while they were able to get themselves out of the hole, they were still falling into the same holes, right? And so after a few years, I created a second tool. So in a nutshell, what living deliberately is, is about being very conscious and clear as to what it is you want to create in your life and basically consciously manifesting that thing mm. by um, not letting emotions you know <clears throat> get in the way and and not letting anything that's outside of you affect the way that you have previously chosen to show up in the world not letting anything outside of you get in the way of how you've chosen to show up. So really tuning into what is within us. Mm -hmm. mm, so beautiful. I'm so curious. I want to hear more about these tools and I'd love to actually try them out. But before we go there, I'd love to hear more about your story and how you became so passionate about helping other people to get unstuck. I know that on your website, it says that you're just like us. You're just like everyone else. You've dealt with being stuck before too. Tell us a little bit, what's your journey been? Yeah, so I moved to Israel in 2009 with my husband and three kids at the time. And I moved from New Jersey to a new country, a new culture, a new language. I didn't have a job. And I found myself getting stuck in lots of different areas of my life, both personally, right, in my relationship with my husband and with my kids, but also just living in a new culture and just in so many different areas, I was feeling stuck. I didn't have that name, that word yet, but I was not feeling like my life was flowing the way it should be. I just felt like I was frozen in so many different ways. I felt like there were so many obstacles that I couldn't overcome. And I felt really alone. And I started journaling. I started just writing out my stories. And I was sharing some of them with my family because I had just left you know, a very, very large extended family. And so I was sharing my stories with them and after a while, I realized, well, this is kind of silly that I'm sharing the same story, like one email to my parents and one email to my grandmother and one email to my sister, but it's the same story. Why don't I just share it all at the same time? And someone suggested that I start a blog. And at the time I said, what's a blog? <laughs> I didn't even know what a blog was. So I started a blog. It was called Stuck in the Muck 365. And in that blog, I was sharing my stories in a way that I could kind of broadcast it to my family without having to share individual stories, individual emails. And what happened over time, well, two things happened. One is that it grew an audience almost by accident. I wasn't really trying to share my stories, but the stories were so relatable that 
my family started sharing it with their friends and their family. And then all of a sudden I was having subscribers to my blog. And the second thing that happened was I created a tool called the unstuck method. It's a step-by-step five-step method based on the acronym S-T-U-C-K. And basically my journey is that I started using that in my life for every single stuck spot that I was in, whether it was mundane, you know, like there was no, I don't know, no milk left in the refrigerator for my kids for breakfast, which isn't such a big deal in the scheme of things. To but it can feel like a big deal. It could, in the moment, it could be, like, and, it can, and it could turn into a drama, right? It can yeah. turn into something huge. But it could, you know, bigger things like relationship issues, or at one point I was really sick and dying and feeling stuck in, you know, fear, or like a major accident, a car accident that I was in. Like you could... I basically use this across the across the spectrum for any kind of emotionally charged situation okay. that you are in. This is so, this is my pause, Shira. Okay. Did you just say you were sick and dying? That's a really big deal. Yeah, I'm having okay. to share it. So every summer we since we moved to Israel, we have traveled back to the United States for the summer, you know, in order to be with my family. One summer we traveled back and four days into the trip, we were actually in synagogue because we were celebrating my daughter's bat mitzvah. Right after the service, there was a gathering and all of a sudden I felt like somebody like punched me in the stomach. I was just standing there talking to someone and it felt like, boom, like I was like, oh my God, what did anyone feel? Like what was that? At your daughter's bat mitzvah. Yes. Yeah. And there were, of course, you know, like 500 people there because it's our, the one chance that we're there for the year. And my 500 people are there for you. You're standing at the celebration and you suddenly have this earth shattering pain. And then I go frozen, right? I'm standing next to my brother who's in a jacket and tie and, so, and I start shivering. I said, can I have your jacket? And he, you know, puts it on me. And then I just felt really sick and I had to excuse myself and I left and I went home. I don't usually take any medicine, even for headaches. And so I let it ride it out for about 24 hours. And then the next day, I was begging to my husband, take me to a hospital. I really you felt knew at that point. this was serious. At that I, like I was dying. And this is, by the way, I have four kids, right? And all four kids, I, had, I chose to have natural births. So I know what physical pain is. And I am actually pretty good with experiencing physical pain. I, I'm very good at actually. But I got to the point where I could not, I just couldn't. So they took me in and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. They gave me antibiotics and nothing was working. I went into septic shock, which basically means all my systems stopped. I, wa- I wasn't aware at that point. And there was a decision that was made for me, probably I'm assuming by my dad and my husband who were there to go into surgery because I, you know, so they opened me up kind of vertically. Basically, it's like this spontaneous, somehow a bacteria gets into your, the sac, which holds your abdomen and it holds your gallbladder and it holds your spleen. Like there's this huge sac that holds everything. Your vital and organs. Your, all your vital organs and there's a, a sometimes a bacteria can get in and just spread like really really quickly and it causes this pus and one in three people die when they get this and so they kept me under anesthesia for 36 hours they went in the following day opened me up again to make sure nothing else was there 
And I woke up the next day and had no, obviously, no use of my stomach muscles. I was on a feeding tube. I was on a breathing tube. And, and long story short, like the two-week visit ended up being two months or something. So my husband took the kids back to Israel by himself. I had one kid who was starting first grade who basically had a lot of regression physically and emotionally. I had to learn how to walk. I started eventually just standing for about five seconds. That was like my goal for a few days. And then eventually I was able to stand with a, a walker, eventually a cane, so you know, all sure, of that. Essentially you were facing death you went through this severe procedure. And when you woke up, you were literally relearning how to use your body. I, this is really as stuck as it gets. Yeah, so when I was, I was in the uh, hospital room alone most of the day, except when I had visitors, which wasn't a lot because I was in so much pain, I just didn't want to see visitors. So I was uh, very stuck on fear. I didn't really understand at the time what happened. The truth of the matter is, to today, nobody understands how it happened. So I was afraid, am I going to get better? Am I, am I, is this going to happen again? Am I going to die? What about my kids? They haven't seen me. Now they're going to see me with all these two, you know. You're the mother of four. You're in, your children are across the world now with your husband. You're in the hospital. You are relearning how to function again. And you're literally facing isolation, pain, and some of the biggest of life's fears all at the same time. Yeah. And I was, and I, I was stuck. I was really alone. And at one point a rabbi came to visit and, and I shared, you know, how stuck I was and I was just crying. And he offered me a great consideration. He said, talk to God. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, just in your own language in your mother tongue, just, just talk to God. And he left the hospital room and I started talking to God through a lot of tears. It was a lot of requests asking for more time on this earth, begging that this isn't my time to go. And, and that helped me. That helped me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm brought to tears. So this is it for you. This is like the moment. This is such a transformational tool. And it sounds like you discovered it by the most extreme of circumstances, talking to God and the infinite one, the universe, however we're conceiving of that which has created us, that which is sustaining us. You sat down and just started speaking. Was this the first time you took something on like this? I was so confused by his suggestion because at that point, all I had knew, I, all I had known was the way to communicate with God is through a prayer book, you know, through an ancient language that when I say the prayers, at least when I learned them as a kid, I didn't even know what I was saying, but I said them because that's what I was taught. And so this was something totally novel to me. I had never even thought of it before. I had never, ever considered just speaking opening my heart and speaking to God as if God was in the room and God was listening so it was totally new and it and it really opened a lot of doors for me in terms of my my relationship with God and mm. and the way I pray so this as you explained was a consideration you said that the rabbi offered you a consideration and I'm curious if we could go back to that moment he shares this idea with you 
And there you were at a turning point from relating to prayer as something that was written in a book, very difficult to relate to, to suddenly having this door opened where you were given permission to speak from your heart and to ask from your heart. Do you remember what you said in that first conversation? I'm not ready to go and I need more time. And I, and please, please don't take me. Like, please don't take me. And I, my kids need me. You know, I'm a mother and I, I don't know why this happened, but maybe there was a reason and maybe you're trying to teach me it. And, you know, please show me what it is I'm supposed to learn, but please give me more time. Like that. Please that give was, me more time. Was, and, and we are so blessed that your prayers were answered. And here we are so many years later. <laughs> and, your journey became your toolkit. You really used it to transform and then you developed this gift that you're now sharing with the world. Yeah, it's just continuously unfolding. So I, I have a, a group, I call it the journey, the living deliberately journey. And we meet weekly. And those people who are in my group, they know that this is like a living, breathing thing. This is not just, you know, I made up a tool in here and take it, but we're living it, we're breathing it. And I'm constantly working on myself. I'm constantly evolving myself. And when I learn more things, I'm teaching it, you know, to these people and they're bringing it into their lives. It's just constantly evolving and it's a gift. It's such a gift to be a part of this, this journey. This journey meaning this life? This life. Yeah. Well, this life and this, this track that I'm on of, you know, self-awareness and self-evolution and helping others through their lives and their personal evolutions, like that track. I really relate with that. And it really resonates with me, which is, I think why we are here together in so many ways. So I'm curious if you could share with us a little bit, give us some insight for that track and what that looks like for someone sort of just hopping on how they would make sense of the journey and really tap into the process or the track, whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. So, well, first of all, I would say the track is a language. So when you're in a difficult situation, you might start saying, you know, I'm stuck on anger. I'm stuck on frustration, I'm stuck on fear, rather than just saying I'm afraid or I'm angry. Or you might use the word consider because that's part of the unstuck method. The C is, you know, you might ask a friend, do you have any considerations for me? I'm feeling stuck. Do you have a consideration for me? Or you might be, the, another language is the clear, right? So you're going into a future moment, you're going into a difficult conversation, or you know, you're gonna, you have to meet someone and you're not sure how it's going to go. And you feel like you want to get clear and you want to set your ways of being ahead of time. You want to notice your expectations that you have and release them ahead of time. Where I started in my life was I practiced getting unstuck. The truth of the matter is I think many people get stuck multiple times a day. I definitely hear this. So I'm thinking that perhaps we can walk through a scenario Maybe you can help me get unstuck. What do you think? Absolutely. So first of all, let's talk about how do we know like what a stuck moment is? That's a great question. First of all, it's a feeling like you're just not feeling on track. Maybe you're feeling upset about something or frustrated, or you're like holding on to a story 
like so dearly, whereas you could be releasing it and moving on with your life, but you're just kind of keeping yourself back because you're feeling right in that story. And sometimes when you are stuck, you feel you want to feel more right than you want to feel actually better because that's just the mind, you know, your lower mind just kind of wants to make you feel right all of the time. Oftentimes when you feel stuck, you're actually blaming other people rather than looking at yourself for, for feeling those emotions. So if you're in a situation and you're like, you know, you're blaming your husband, you're blaming your kids, you're blaming, you know, Corona, you're blaming whatever it is, that's definitely uh, okay. a sign that you're stuck. I got it. Okay. <laughs> so some people have at this time of, you know, uncertainty, Corona, whatever this is that we're in, so much time on their hands that they're learning to play new instruments and they're doing all kinds of things. A lot of people I come in contact with are, are parents or they're busy with things in their home and they feel like they don't have enough time or they're not being productive enough. They're not doing enough. Is that an example of feeling stuck? Yeah, sure. Maybe they'll feel they're you know, stuck on frustration. So let's take the example of a busy parent who's mm -hmm. at home with children trying to work. Everyone's in the house. The house can never get clean enough. The work can never be finished fast enough. The kids are not tended after well enough. Why? Because the energy is just going in so many different places. That's a feeling of stuck. I don't feel totally stuck in that, but I notice the thoughts are there. So I want to see if we can use that as an example. And I've experienced the feeling, okay, I'm not a good enough wife, a good enough mother, or a good enough parent, or a good enough professional. I'm not serving at my highest capacities in any of these scenarios. And whose fault is it? It's my fault because I should be more organized and I should wake up earlier and I should be doing X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and by the way, over the last month, I have definitely felt all of those. I got stuck, right? Again, for, at this point for me, I've been doing this for so many years that I can more or less nip my stuck spots in the bud. So definitely I felt all of that. When you're, when you're trying to get unstuck, the really best way and most efficient way to do it is to zoom in to one moment in time. Because if you are trying, let's say, if you come to me and you're like, you know, I'm in this, this relationship with my husband and it's not working, that's like, that's a big story, right? There's a, lots of things going on in that story. But if we can zoom in to one moment in time, like the last moment that you felt, whatever it was, that is something that we can work with, right? Because life is basically comprised of moments in time right? It's, it's, we have stories, but you can break them down into moments. And it's just so much more manageable to work with those moments than to work with big stories. So if you want to kind of zoom into one moment that we can work with. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of something. So standing in the kitchen, the sink is full of dishes. There are toys all over the floor. The kids are hungry. And I realize that I forgot to send an email. 
I had set aside this time in the evening to be with the family, to be present, physically present, no cell phone, no computer. And I'm standing in the kitchen. I'm thinking, I have to send this email. Someone's waiting on me. And so I quickly go up the stairs and I just see the expression of confusion on my husband's face. What are you doing? Where are you going? And my kids, you know, their faces just sag all of a sudden I'm leaving. And there it is. There, there I'm feeling I should have addressed this earlier. My house is such a mess. My kids are hungry. I'm not even present for them. And so you're feeling like the major emotion that you're feeling there is. So I, the truth is I told myself this is going to pass and this is a feeling and I tuned in with it and I experienced it. But at the time it was frustration. Like I can't be all things to all people. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. how can I do all of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's this feeling of not enough, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So great. So let's say you're, you know, you're walking up the steps and you notice your husband and your kids are looking at you confused. Like, where is she going? <laughs> right. She's supposed to be, she's, she has a role and where is she going? She has a job here in the kitchen. Um, and you're walking up the steps and then you catch their glance and you're looking at them and they're looking at you and you're feeling like, you know, frustrated or maybe you're feeling guilty. Would you say guilty? Would that be one of them? I literally turned around and I was like, don't question me. And I just walked uh, up the stairs. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe there's also some sort of, not anger, but some sort of like a resentment maybe, you know, towards. Maybe. And it's so funny because like anyone who knows me and knows my family knows that like my husband also cooks and my kids cook and we have this very cohesive, but I do feel at the same time, a sense of responsibility. I want to show up when I say I'm going to show up. So the first thing that we do when we get unstuck, when we want to try to get unstuck is S, take a stop. And this is the mindfulness piece. And this is something that you're very well practiced in and maybe your listeners are too. But this is a moment where you basically take a pause and you redirect your attention away from the story, it, it can be any, at any point, you know, you could, you could totally have okay. responded automatically and then you might want to get unstuck from that because maybe the way you responded was a way that you didn't like, you know, or it could be that you're stuck, okay. you're getting unstuck before you could use this in so many different ways. You might be getting unstuck because you don't of the way that they're looking at you. You might be getting unstuck because of what you're thinking about yourself you might get, want to get unstuck because of your reaction to them, right? It really, you, you could use it in any situation and you could do it multiple times and you could break down. So we're in this moment, we're having all the emotion, we're feeling all the feels and then we stop. Mm-hmm. Right. So stopping doesn't necessarily mean stop thinking. That's impossible, right? You can't stop thinking, but it's really more of an opportunity to get present and bring the mind back to exactly where you are in that moment. If you're on the steps, you know, or if you're sitting down, redirect your attention. I like to redirect it to the breath. I like to close my eyes when I take a stop. It usually helps me. It prepares me for the process of getting unstuck because I know there's more work ahead. I could talk for hours about the stop, but that's in a nutshell, that's what the stop is. And then the next step is the T. This is for tell. And this is where we tell ourselves what we're stuck on. So 
while you, so basically what we're saying here is you're, you're accessing your emotions. You're trying to figure out the emotions that you're stuck on. Most of the time when we're feeling a difficult emotion, we would just say, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm whatever it is. When you say it that way, language is really important. And when you say it that way, you're basically identifying with the emotion, right? Like, so I'm Shira, I'm angry, right? Or I'm Shira, I'm frustrated. But of course, I'm not angry all the time. I'm not an angry person, but in that moment, I am feeling that. And so I encourage people to just notice their language and change it slightly to say, I'm stuck on anger, or I'm stuck on guilt, or I'm stuck on resentment, or I'm stuck on whatever, imperfection. I like that so much because it really shifts out of this identity and identifying to moving through something, something something from permanent to temporary. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly it. All emotions are temporary, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever you're feeling is temporary. So it reminds you by saying that you're stuck on it, it reminds you that it's a temporary situation. And just like you got stuck on it, you can also get unstuck from it. So in this step, I also encourage people to allow themselves to feel that emotion in their body let the emotion run through the body. Notice where you feel it. Notice where you might be holding the emotion in your body. And I also encourage people to kind of set a time to allow yourself to feel that emotion. So I wouldn't say, you know, go feel your emotions for the next day and cry about it or whatever, or be angry about it. But for me, I know three minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, a half hour, but like, limit yourself, allow yourself to feel it and then move forward. Cause that's the whole point of getting unstuck. It's not about staying stuck in the emotion. It's about moving forward. And I think a lot of time what happens is that people get stuck in the emotion. So that's this. Now you can be stuck on many multiple emotions, not just one. And most of the time we are stuck on multiple emotions and for each emotion, you're going to have a, a different story related to it. So if you're stuck on anger, that's going to be a little different if you're, than you're stuck on guilt. So it's important to kind of look through and find all the emotions that you're stuck on. So that's T. So in that moment, you're walking up the step. You can imagine yourself either stopping there, taking a stop there, or finishing the steps, taking a, a seat on the bed, or wherever you are upstairs, taking a stop, acknowledging I'm stuck on resentment. Okay, so that's the T. Then the U... This is where we uncover our thoughts. So the reason that you're feeling resentful is because of a thought. Our thoughts create our emotions. So the only reason that you're feeling any sort of resentment is because you have, you're thinking about something that's causing you to feel that. Now, you might not know what you're thinking, and that's what this step is all about. This step is about uncovering your thoughts because all of our stuck spots derive from a thought, right? All of our stuck moments come from our thinking. And if we can understand what it is that we are thinking and we can investigate it and check the veracity of, you know, how true that thought really is, that is where, that's the key basically to getting unstuck. It's investigating our what I call limiting beliefs, because most of the thoughts that we have, they're not 100% true. So we call them limiting beliefs. So in this step, we uncover you, uncover what it is that we are thinking that caused the emotion. 
and you already mentioned a couple. So maybe you were feeling resentment because you're thinking that, that they're thinking um, that what you're doing is not important. My kids are thinking that I'm rushing upstairs to play Candy Crush. Right. <laughs> right. Or maybe um, that you said, you know, they don't understand me. So like you're now that's your story, right? It's not that they said anything. They're looking at you, right? But you have no idea what they're thinking. All you know is what is true. What you can all agree upon, a fact that it's true, is that you are walking up the steps. That's true. They are looking at you. You are looking at them. Those three things are facts. Everything else is a story, right? The story is thoughts and emotion together is a story. So you have a story in your mind. Each of your kids have individual stories in their minds and your husband has a story in his mind. And maybe everybody is feeling stuck because they're stuck in the story that's in their own mind. So what we do at this point is we, we try to differentiate between fact and story. So the facts are you have an email, you need to send it, or you feel like you need to send it now, otherwise you'll forget or whatever. And, you know, kitchen uh, dinner is being cooked. That, that's pretty much what the facts are right now. So we have to uncover what you're thinking. Once we uncover the thoughts, we have to ask ourselves, is what I'm thinking 100% true? I think the answer would be no. I think it's probably always no, right? That's, that's basically what it comes down to. It's, it's always no, unless, <laughs> always you, can, no. unless yeah. you can prove it in a court of law or unless like, you know that everybody in the world would agree upon, would, would say yes, you know, would agree with what you're thinking. And it's true. That's what we call it a limiting belief, you know, or whatever thought that you're thinking. If you go through the list and you write it down, which I recommend, I'm a big proponent of taking thoughts out and writing them on paper so you can see them, you can work with them. So if you write down, you know, I believe, my kids think I'm a terrible mom. Is that 100% true? It's not. And like you said, it, it never is because it, that can't be proved in a court of law, right? No, it's not true. Not 100% true. So there might be like partial truth or there might be, I, you know, a feeling, but in terms of truth with a capital T, no, it's, it's not. And so the moment you can kind of wake up and recognize that at least one of your thoughts is not 100% true, it's, it's such a golden opportunity because that's the moment that you're basically like, wow, well, if that's not true, what is true? What else is possible? If, if I'm stuck in thinking this way, but I'm realizing, you know, this like huge story that I thought was so solid and so right, if it's not even true, what else is possible? And this is where we get to the next step, C, for consider. And this is where you basically recognize what else is in the realm of possibility that you can believe? It's a way, this is the step basically where you get unstuck. You're going to choose a new consideration. You're going to choose a new perspective, a new thought. And because your thoughts create your emotions, the thought that you're going to take on is going to affect how you feel. Okay, so, so this is the pivot. This is a shift from moving away from they don't understand, or I'm not doing enough in these different domains to suddenly, oh, wow, look at all the efforts that I put in today on behalf of my home, my children, my husband, my business. I helped so many people today, or I even, even, you know, some days maybe it's, I, I 
practice good self-care or, you know, whatever it is, but just this shift from looking at deficits to looking at assets. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so the same thing I, I recommend, you know, you just download a list of anything that you can consider right? I can consider um, what I'm doing is really important. I can consider my husband will explain to the kids that what I'm doing is really important. I can consider that I'll be down in one minute. I can consider that when I come down, I can explain what happens. I can consider, I consider apologizing to the kids for, you know, doing something that I said I wasn't going to do. Like there's a whole world out there of different perspectives and how you can think in that situation. And so in that moment, you pick one, you can pick more than one, but you have to pick at least one because that's where you're going to get unstuck. And the last step, it would actually, you would think that you wouldn't need a last step, right? Because you just got unstuck. It's like, I got unstuck. Why do I need a last step? But I added a last step purposefully because oftentimes when we get stuck, we hold ourselves in, you know, resentment or shame or embarrassment for having gotten stuck in the first place. That happens a lot. And so after you get yourself unstuck, the last step, K, is for kindness. And this is where you hold yourself in self-compassion for being human, right? For being a human who gets stuck and it's okay. And so I have this practice it's individual and you can do it however you want, but I, sometimes I take my hands and I put them over my heart and I just hold myself in this place of love and kindness and say, it's okay. And I'm not perfect and I'm human. And, and I got myself unstuck and, you know, the next moment is a new moment and I'm going to move forward. It's so powerful and so practical too. It's really perfect. It's really powerful. It's so practical. It's so simple. I think one of the reasons it became so popular is because it's so, it's easy to remember, right? The, it's an acronym, S-T-U-C-K. And, um, and it's just, you know, it, I, I, what I'm doing, right, is not new in the world. The steps inside of Stuck are not new. I just packaged it in a way that made it more accessible for people to be able to self-coach themselves, um, I love that you say self-coach. It's, I actually haven't, I use that term and I haven't really heard anyone else say it oh. in that way because I, I really feel like that is, that's the difference between giving a man a fish and teaching a man to fish. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm an occupational therapist and our main goal, not that I'm practicing that now, but what we do as occupational therapists is we increase the independence of people's lives in, in any capacity, you know, physical, passive, physical, or in any capacity. And so my goal with living deliberately and using both of these tools today, we only got to the first one, but maybe another interview, we'll, we'll get to the second one is to increase people's independence in their emotional well-being. So I don't want people to be dependent on me. I don't want, I, that's not my goal in life. My goal is not to have like, you know, all these clients and they come to me every week and share their story and like feeling like that I'm going to help solve their problems. My goal is to teach these people these tools so that they can apply them in their lives and they can really start. And again, in the beginning, it's difficult and you need guidance and you need support, but eventually they transform into people who can start dealing and coping with the situations that arise in their lives. So that's definitely my goal is. is yeah. 
I, I really appreciate that. I think it's, it's huge. So I cannot even believe that our time is almost up and I feel like I could talk to you every day. Now, I feel like I just made a really great new friend. So we might have to do that. But in the meantime, I want to share with the listeners, where can people find you and what is out there in the world that, that they can connect with in your yeah. world? Yeah, thank you. So I have a podcast, a weekly podcast called Living Deliberately. The first three years of the podcast, it was called Getting Unstuck. So if you go to the backstories, you'll hear weekly stories of me sharing my personal stories of where I was stuck in my life and how I got unstuck. A lot of them have self-deprecating humor. They're fun to listen to. They're very relatable. I changed the name of the podcast about maybe two months ago. So now it's called Living Deliberately. And now it's more where I'm teaching the different tools and and different aspects of the tools you know week by week and the last is i have a website called shiragura.com and on that website you can also find my store where you can find my book and my consideration cards love it incredible this has really been a pleasure getting to know you and your work and also walking through this process with you i'm going to definitely be using and applying that so thank you Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Wow, I am so grateful for Shira, and I'm so appreciative that she's a friend and that she came on the show to share with all of us today. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And stay connected. Hop on over to my website. It's drozzy.co. You can receive my weekly insights. I send one email per week. And you'll also stay abreast with all the programs that are going on and all the opportunities that you have to connect with me, learn the tools, practice them, and stay accountable. You can come to my Wednesday events. And all of that info is there. On the website, drozzy.co, you can sign up and do stay tuned. There is lots more in the work and there's lots more in the works. There is always work to be done. That was a funny slip, but it actually is the perfect segue to a beautiful quote that I found yesterday. I was reading on Shabbat this book called The Face of the Waters by Eliezer Shore, and he writes the following thing. There are people in this world who have the whole future of our species turning in their guts, robbing them of sleep taking away their appetite. Their pain is the very struggle of humanity to give birth to a better future, to God's own vision for us. A better world will only be built by individuals who can see it already in the present, though it appears as only the smallest seed of hope. He continues, the greater the vision, the greater the obstacles that will arise to obstruct it. Yet God himself places these obstacles in the path in order to increase our desire for the goal for without this desire we would never continue we must live life backwards a child is born head down in the world and we must have faith that the one who created us will bear us and carry us how beautiful is that in this time that there is so much going on if we are feeling affected by it if you are feeling affected by it Tap into your vision and tap into the fact that you care and acknowledge that. That in itself says so much about who you are and how you care and how you show up. Thank you for your presence here. And wherever you are in the world, I hope that you are meeting yourself 
as always, with kindness. Abundant blessings until next time.